Welcome to Best Year Ever, a personal growth podcast designed to help you become a powerful creator. Because creating your best year ever is a mindset, a lifestyle, and a way of being. Please share and enjoy. I am committed to three things. Helping you be your best, do what you love, and show up powerfully. If you want to take your personal development and mindset to the next level, go to designyourbestself.com to sign up for our personal growth program. First question, tell me one thing you do to create your best year ever. So the thing I do to create my best year ever, I stole from Gretchen Rubin, uh, who is the author of The Happiness Project. Um, And it is to create a 22 for 22 list or a 23 for 23 list. And it's just 22 things that you want to have happen this year. And I always make it a mix of personal, professional, family, and like what fills my cup. And I review it quarterly to make sure I'm making progress towards those things or checking them off the list. And it creates a lot of fun throughout the year. Oh, I absolutely love that. I'm curious when it comes to the quarterly check-in, is that a calendar notification or what does that look like? Because a lot of people in theory, boom, I'm about that life. But when it comes time to do the quarterly check-in, you're like, ah, you know what? I got some other more pressing issues to be working on. So what's that look like for you? Uh, I'm a big believer in calendaring. So I actually block off the last two days of the quarter in my calendar uh, for both business and personal kind of reset and make sure I've reviewed what's gone well and like what are the big things I need to tackle. So if you do that at the beginning of the year, you can actually protect your time and not get booked in a bunch of meetings those days. And I do try to be like conscious of blocking off that time. Oh, am I excited about this episode and welcome to Best Year Ever, a podcast designed to inspire growth and impact so you can create your best year ever. And I'm your host, Rob Cressy, and joining me today is Aaron Sigich, CEO of Perform CB. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. And Aaron, this is an episode that is six years in the making. And the reason that I'm so excited is because you and I have a long relationship going all the way back to um, my days of working at CareerBuilder, selling digital advertising sales. But more importantly, six years ago, you were my seventh ever business podcast. For the longest time when I was building Bacon Sports, I was doing sports podcasts. But as the company evolved from a sports blog and sports media company to a sports marketing content studio, I now wanted to start building relationships with other leaders, CEOs, and high performers about their success mindset. And I really didn't know what I was doing at that time because it was a brand new thing. Podcasting wasn't what it is now. It was like pushing a rock uphill. So what did I do? I went to the people that I know and I said, let me just get some people on that I feel comfortable talking to. And you were one of them. And I have to thank you for that because looking back on it, I am so much better now than I was then. But that that also excites me because that's sort of the journey of starting anything. Absolutely. And I mean, I want to thank you, Rob, because you were one of my very first clients when I started working at, it was called ClickBooth then, it's Perform CV now, but it's the same business. And I started out in account management and you were one of the first people that I worked with 
15 years ago and now worked my way up to CEO of the company. And so really exciting just to see like how much our careers have evolved and that we still can find ways to work together now. Yes. And I was looking forward to this because you are one of the people that I am most proud of because of the exact thing that you just said. And having a long-term mindset is something that you read in books, you hear in podcasts. And it's a challenging thing to live, to consistently do something every single day that you know contributes to your micro growth. But you've got this big vision that's out there. And hey, day after day, if we do the things consistently, we will get there. Well, all of a sudden, I leave the advertising world and I look and my favorite client goes from sales rep to the CEO of the company. And not only did I love working with you, but I was so proud of you because uh, it's a journey that I know, even though I didn't understand everything that went in there, it was one that was a testament to who you are, your mindset, your work ethic, and your ability to make things happen. (laughs) Thanks, Rob. I mean, it's been an exciting ride for sure. And it's something that, you know, I didn't join the company thinking I'm going to be CEO one day. It is kind of all of those micro actions that build up over time and get you to, you know, where I'm at. But also so exciting to see you like leave career builder and be an entrepreneur and then find your path in different ways too. It's just really cool because I don't think either of us would have said this is the seat that I'm going to be in if you asked us 10 years ago. Um, And it just gives you really exciting ideas for what the future might hold too. It's quite frankly, mind blowing to see that if we were to say this is where you and I would be 15 years from now, knowing who I was at that time, being an ad sales party, bro, there is no way, but that is the beauty in all of this. And actually why I do what I do because I lived that way for so long and I saw a different light in a good way. It didn't mean that I was bad or anything. No, there is just uh, more that I wanted to create and I wanted to help a lot more people in a different way. And I became self-aware and I adopted a growth mindset. And Aaron, I'm curious to hear from you as you look at that maturation over that 15 years of someone's like, all right, Uh, I want to go from sales rep to CEO, or I have this vision for what I would love to create in my life. Uh, What did that look like for you and sort of your steps or your mindset or how you made that happen? Yeah, I think it's consistent problem solving and being open to problem solving and learning. So when I joined the company, there was only 10 people and it was very much the startup. You get to wear a lot of hats. Um, But that also means that there's not a lot of people necessarily to learn from. Like we were all just figuring out what the answers were. And so I will say it's one of the silliest hacks out there, but it really does work. The number of people who don't just Google the answer and figure it out, like there's so much internet uh, information on the internet. So like when I'm trying to learn something new, I will legitimately Google the good question read the 10 articles and then come up with some kind of consensus. I'm a big believer that there are no new problems in the world. You just have to figure out who else has had to solve this problem and then kind of steal their best practices and test and figure out if it's going to work for you or work for your company, like problem solving mindset and just be being willing to make changes big and often small changes that stack up over time. 
are so impactful, like so impactful for sure. Oh, I really love that answer. And one of the things that evolves from a problem solving side of things happens when you become a parent. So one of the things that has been new to my world in the last year is my wife gave birth to our first son a year ago. We actually just celebrated our son's first birthday on Saturday and it was the absolute best. But you're someone who you have uh, two kids, correct? Yep, two daughters. So you are a parent to two daughters who look just like you, by the way. And... Uh, You're a high-performing CEO of an industry-leading company. And I know uh, in my journey, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of them internal. But you actually talked about this at the top of protecting your time. In my relationship to time as an entrepreneur and creator versus creating the time that I want to be there for my son was a challenge for me, not in a negative way, but I went from being able to create and do anything that I wanted at all times. I could wear that hustle and grind mode on the weekends, work until eight, do whatever I want. And now all of a sudden, my son is born and by design, I created a lifestyle where I want to be there for the months in which he's brought into the world. But that doesn't mean creator Rob still doesn't feel time guilt on uh, things that I could be doing or being more present with my son. I'm curious what your mindset and evolution has been as a high performer and a parent. Yeah, so uh, you said the word guilt and that's such a big thing. Creator guilt, mom guilt is a really big thing. And I think that the from a mindset perspective, that is the number one thing you can do for yourself is get away from the guilt. It's not, it doesn't serve you. So if you feel guilty while you're at work that you're not with your kid, and then you feel guilty when you're with your kid that you're not working, nobody's getting your best. Work isn't getting your best. Your kid's not getting your best. And so trying to be very intentional with your mindset of like, no, this is the time I'm going to spend with my kids. And I'm going to be really focused on that. Or this is the time I'm going to be at work. And I'm going to be really focused on that. Now that doesn't always work. Right. And sometimes that looks like waking up before the kids are up or working after they go to bed. And sometimes that looks like there's a hurricane day and the kids are home from school and you're also working. Um, But I think being flexible with yourself, giving yourself grace is really important. And then another author that I love, uh, her name is Laura Vanderkam, and she does all these time use studies and uh, has written like five books. Her thing is all on time use. But when you actually have people track their time, you have a lot more time than you think. Even as a CEO who is, you know, the CEO of a big growth private equity company, I do have time and I have to be using it intentionally, not scrolling on Instagram, not letting other things eat up my time. Like how do you go through and hack and optimize those? Because it's the richness of your time that matters, not like the, the minutes of it and how it works out. I love that. And one of the things that I believe is the most under-talked about and underdeveloped skill is exploring our relationship to time. So the good news is anytime I feel judgment, self-limiting beliefs, or fears, uh, I've trained myself as a creator to have a little flag go off that goes, ding, 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 what's going on with this thing that's not serving you right now? It's like, oh, all right, I got a hole in my boat. Let me explore what's going on here. And one of the things that we created Uh, with my coach and I was on the receiving end was this perspective 
I am that I create more output by working less. And you're like, oh, well, what could that look like? So if I go from having, let's call it eight hours a day and for the first three months while my wife is on maternity, let's say I'm only working an hour and a half by design. Well, what would it look like for in that hour and a half for me to actually create more output than I would be if I was working eight hours? And the big thing that I loved about this was the frequency that it put me on from a perspective standpoint. So instead of living in lack and not enoughness and guilt like I was and like you talked about, I then said, all right, I'm open to this possibility that this is possible, that I can actually be better in an hour and a half than I am in working for eight hours. So you're like, all right, what has to be true for this to be true? And I'm like, well, number one, I could build a larger team. I could delegate more. I could also be more powerful in that hour and a half. So like you talked about with not being on Instagram or your phone and distractions, what if all of a sudden you only had an hour and a half to work on just the most important stuff? Well, if we take the Pareto principle of the 80-20 rule, we know by design, uh, 20% of our results, or 80% of our results come from 20% of our actions. Therefore, that hour and a half could be the 20% that I'm working on and everything else doesn't matter. And I learned that and experienced that when I removed everything off of my plate, except for the only the most important things. And it created a freedom in myself and it taught me a valuable lesson about overwhelm. And this is something that we all experience. But anytime that I'm overwhelmed with, I don't have enough time, I have too much to do. It becomes a signal to chop half of what I've got on my plate off of it. Why? Because I'd learned and experienced that we will fill the bucket no matter what. If I've got an hour and a half, I'll fill in an hour and a half. If I've got eight hours, I'll fill in eight hours. But oftentimes it's not the most important or most efficient. And sometimes it's okay to not do something that's good for you or your business. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it's an interesting way to look at things. Like as the company has grown, it changes. And so I have to be really thoughtful about like, where can I add the most value? And because, um, you know, it's a bigger company, I've got a team that I can rely on. I try to think about like, what is the thing that only I can move the needle on? Or that if, if I didn't do this, what doesn't move forward this week? And then I try to make sure that I carve out time for those and prioritize them. So it is when I have moments of, oh, that meeting got canceled. What can I work on? I know exactly what I'm going to. And I can block off calendar time to go, hey, these are my three initiatives for the quarter. And if I don't do them, nobody's doing them in my organization. And so I've got to get these done and prioritize it that way. And then I try to know what that is for each of my direct reports too, so that I can ask them about only those things and really help to focus their energy on what are the big things that they can do, that only they can do, that helps move our business forward. And speaking of energy, I wanna circle back on something that you said on potentially working after the kids go to bed. And I've even mentioned this on a podcast, but a few weeks ago, uh, after a day where I was up at 5 a.m., and worked on my goals and my vision and my dreams and everything all day, and then tried to cook dinner and finally put my son to bed at eight o'clock. 
the night was there and I'm, I was just exhausted and I was tired, but I don't believe in the phrase, I am tired because that's an identity and I'm not about to create that self-limiting belief for myself. So you will not hear me speak, I am tired. And that's a very challenging thing to do at the end of a long day. And I realized that there's a difference between emptying the tank, giving all on my day, doing the things that are aligned to my health, wealth, love, happiness, family, and work, in being tired, which can be a different state of being right there. And once I understood that, it actually made me feel good about the way that I see the end of my days around my energy. Because once again, here comes the time and energy guilt of Rob who says, well, there are still some things on my get-to-do list that I would love to get to do, but it's also eight o'clock and I've been up for the last 15 hours doing things full-time. But I'm curious from you on what that looks like from a work side of things, because I have found that even though I was raised in the hustle and grind culture and I loved it and that's a part of my tool belt, I'm also to the point now where energetically I'm okay not working after my son goes to bed because I know that my energy level is different and I'm not likely to be as productive and I don't wear the badge of armor that I used to. And I also know that uh, I can still create things for tomorrow. What's that look like for you? Because it's a challenging dynamic that I think a lot of high performers um, struggle with or experience on a regular basis. Yeah. So having to work after the kids go to bed is definitely more of the exception than it is the rule. If I'm running my week well and I don't have something unpredictable come up, then that's not an expectation that I have for myself. And it is, you know, 15 years of consistency, knowing that if you work a bunch of late nights over and over and over again, eventually you just burn out and you're very unproductive for a set of time. Like we have some people on our team, I think that are still learning this lesson where they will run themselves ragged and then they need to take five days off to recuperate. And it's like, well, you actually end up being a whole lot less productive than if you would just you know, work a more consistent, manageable schedule and have like your full brain firing too, right? You know, going in these marathon work sessions or these marathon meetings, a lot of times by the end, the ideas are just not as good and you'd be way better off taking a break, hanging out with your kids, going for a run, et cetera. That's the other thing is like, I find that if I am training, I'm a, a runner, a long distance runner, I'm slow, but I will do it. Um, but if I'm training for a race, and I know you have a crazy story around uh, your marathon. I've never done a marathon. I'm doing halves. But I find that if I ask my, if I'm training for a race, I'm more productive at work. Now it takes more time out of my overall allotment, right, to train for a half marathon. But it also makes me so much more focused. And I have a higher level of attention and energy when I do sit down at the computer. So it's like when you ask more from yourself, I think you can expect more from yourself. But you got to fill the different pieces. And that is something that I learned when I did Andy Frisella's 75 Hard Mental Toughness Challenge. And mm -hmm. he has the year-long Live Hard program. And as part of it, for 75 straight days, you do a 45-minute workout indoors and a 45-minute workout outdoors. Every day for 75 straight days, no fail. And mm -hmm. the big reason why people do not do it is they over-dramatize, well, I don't have enough time to do it. But here's one of the things that you learned in 75 hard 
is because you're so much more accountable to your time, because you're doing more, you actually create more time because there's less time for the things that don't serve you. Because by design, you might go from uh, working out a few days a week for 30 minutes to an hour and a half every day for two and a half months. So it's a complete mind bend on how am I going to do it? Physically, how am I going to do it? Mentally, where is this time going to come? But guess what? You create the time and circling back around to our relationship to time, it's something that I've become an expert on because I love to create with time. And so many people say, I don't have enough time and you're never going to hear me say that because it's a self-limiting belief because when you understand that you are the architect of your life, then you can become the architect of your days and become the architect of your moments. And time is something that is a blessing because Aaron, when you take your children to Disney World, you're like, oh my God, this is the best day ever. It was a blessing. When it was my son's first birthday or I had him at Halloween and we dressed up as sharks, time was a blessing. So we know that time can be a positive for us. But when we feel overwhelmed or something's not going right or there's some incongruency in our life, it can feel heavy and it can feel like an anvil on our chest, whether that's anxiety or overwhelm. But the greatest thing that I learned this year in 2022 was the gift of peace and how I could give myself peace. And I learned through doing the internal work that peace is just a choice. And one of the areas in which I have chosen to give myself peace is around my relationship to time. Imagine for just a second, if you were to say, I'm removing that I don't have enough time from my vocabulary that that no longer exists in me, that I am, that I always have more than enough time to get everything done. And I'm at peace with, if I don't get something done, it's okay because I can just do it again tomorrow. And it dropped the anvil from me and it's like the world went from black and white to color because I gave myself in the word is freedom. Peace creates freedom. And if you can create peace and freedom around your relationship to time, you never will burn yourself out because you're in charge of your time without living in this scarcity and the lack of I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to, or I need to do, I need to do. Yeah, I mean, that's fascinating. I think that for me, I can sometimes get anxious around um, like getting the kids out the door. They need to be at an activity on time. And when I'm at my best, I'll say like, we have all the time that we need because you'll see as the kids get older, that the worst thing you could possibly do is let a kid know that you're running late because then they've lost their shoes and they can't find their juice box and they you know want to watch one more thing on TV so like you have to you can't let them know that that's the energy that we're running late or it will actually take you three times the amount of time to get out the door and so like trying to be calm and say we have all the time that we need actually gets you out the door faster than letting them know that you're behind and you got to pick up speed but the, the whole anxiety around like getting from school to aftercare to this activity to that can create some anxiety in my life. It's actually more stressful than running a company at times. So I want to end on this, Erin. You said two things. When I'm at my best, 
dot, dot, dot. So philosophically, I understand that if I can show up and be my best once, then due to the power of consistency, like you said, 15 years of consistency, creating that energy, creating that mindset, then why would I ever choose to not show up as my best at all times? I mean, it's a great question. You should choose to to show up at your best at all times. Why do you not do it? Um, I don't know. I think that you can let the outside world get in and that's not right. And then you got to get back to what your routine is. Like I have a, I'm a bullet journaler. So I got one of those and you go through and I write my, you know, 10 affirmations and this is what I need to highlight on. And when I do that, the world is right. And so knowing that you take the time to do that or whatever your thing is that centers you taking the time to do it, owning your time puts you in a much better headspace for sure. And then the last thing is you said the energy of we are running late. So to me, I'm like, wait a second. Energy is something that we can create and that we can control so we can choose to be frenetic and anxiety ridden or I can be at peace with the fact that I am late and I'll end this on something that I helped a client with. His wife was always late and when they would go to dinner, she'd be 15 minutes late and he would immediately get angry and upset and then it would ruin their dinner. And this was happening habitually. So he's like, Rob, I don't want this to be the experience anymore. So I said, all right, well, what if every time your wife came out late, you danced with her? He's like, what? I was like, yeah, meet the negative because you can choose in that moment, her being late, can't do anything about, but you can choose how you show up, AKA the energy in which we do these things. He's like, cool, I'll try that. He reports back a few weeks later. He's like, Rob, it is great. She's laughing, I'm laughing, we're dancing. And this is where a new creation and a declaration came. I am that I dance with time because time is really a dance, like a wave. Some days you're late because of the kids and work and traffic and all of these things. Some days you've got all the time in the world, you're going for a run and the sun is shining. But imagine having the energy of, I am that I dance with time so that no matter what happens in our lives, we know, you know what? Sometimes I'm on the up wave, sometimes I'm on the down wave, just like the way we dance. Love it. Absolutely love it. Great piece of advice. So Aaron, there was so much goodness in here. I'm looking forward to everyone who gets to consume the little micro nuggets that we're going to create from this. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, so the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn and you can find me Aaron Sigich, C-I-G-I-C-H at LinkedIn. And I want to hear from you. There was so much goodness in this episode about parenting, consistency, relationship to time. Is there anything that we said that caused you to think or take action? If so, I would love to hear about it. You can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy.